Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Summertime Bit Boys. I am James. I'm Blake. And this week we will be looking at brawlers, side-scrolling fighters, beat-em-ups. They go under various names. I mean, what was the go-to name for you back in the day, Blake? Uh, beat-em-ups or side-scrollers? Yeah, pretty much. And uh, I think it's kind of an apt time to be looking at them, really, because they're having somewhat of a resurgence recently. Oh, yeah, with, like, what is it? Uh, oh, God, what's the name? River City Girls? River and, City uh, Girls. Streets of Rage 4 has just come out. That was the one I was trying to think of. And then uh, a couple of years ago, um, we had the Capcom like, beat-em-up bundle sort of dropped yeah. as well. And then we had Scott Pilgrim versus the World that was on, like, Xbox Live Arcade and, what, PlayStation 3, whatever. Yeah, and now no longer exists for various legal reasons. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it seems for like some reason at this moment in time, they are having somewhat of a comeback, which is, in my mind, a good thing because they're trying new things with them. They're kind of, they're adding in sort of more tech, uh, more skill trees, things like that. I mean, back in the day, they were pretty, well, they were kind of one trick because they were just arcade quarter guzzling type things. Yeah. But, you know, they're a great platform because, I mean, essentially, you can drop in and drop out at any time, which is why I think it gives them kind of a certain benefit to them. Also, nowadays, you can play online, so you can now play with friends no matter where you are in the world. Yeah, and uh, they could pretty much, within reason, be made for any game, any franchise, any film, as long as you could kind of spin it in a certain direction. Yeah. But uh, having said that, let's get into it, and uh, we looked at three games this week and uh the first of which is one of my personal favorites which is cadillacs and dinosaurs by capcom yep now uh i mean i think all three of the ones that we've looked at are from capcom and this is probably arguably during their heyday where near enough everything they shut out was just pure gold at that point yeah i'd agree and uh i mean i never saw the cartoon it wasn't until i was much much older that i was even aware that this thing existed outside of the arcades but prior to that this game just hit all the right marks for me i mean it's such a bizarre concept like people driving around cadillac cars in i i mean again i don't really know much of the lore i'm assuming it was some kind of nuke had gone off or something and maybe pushed them back to the stone age or something like that mm-hmm and uh, now they're just driving around in Cadillacs, uh, protecting the dinosaurs from poachers and things like that. So, kind of a weird premise, but... How old were you when you first played this game? Ooh, probably 12, maybe. Because, as I said, arcades weren't a very common thing where I lived, or in England in general. So, it was always kind of, you'd walk into maybe a... a a video store like a rental place or a Chinese restaurant or something and then every so often they would just have an arcade cabinet sat in the back and it would be pretty potluck what it was playing. It's kind of funny you go to a Chinese restaurant you can play arcades like I can't imagine. <laughs> oh there's this one down the house from us um I think it was they always had real stereotypical names in England like it was called Bamboo Lounge or something. Jesus. And they had one of those old, uh, I can't remember the exact name for them, the coffee top ones, where it was like uh, the screen was built into the table. Ah, uh, tabletop arcades. Yeah, 
they had one of those. Or no, sorry, cocktail, cocktail cabinet. Sorry, cocktail cabinet. Cocktail cabinet. They had one of those in there. And we used to go in there and while we were waiting for the food, I'd always get like uh, 20p or 50p, how much ever it was. And me and my brother would play that for a few minutes. And I know sort of as towards the end of the restaurant's life cycle, it kind of it wasn't being turned on anymore. And then the restaurant closed. And I was always kind of tempted to go in and go like, oh, it's like this is clearly not been left here by any kind of provider. Are you willing to sort of sell it? But yeah. I missed out on that, unfortunately, but that's kind of how it was in England. They were just dotted around. I mean, what's the, the most obscure one I ever found was I went into a pub with my uncle and they had like a a Goonies arcade game. Huh. I know they had a Goonies pinball. I didn't know about an arcade. Interesting. And uh, it just played this really kind of bit-crushed version of Cindy Lauper's uh, Good Enough For Me. <sighs> over and over and over and it was kind of like uh i guess it was almost like us the original super mario bros where you had to kind of navigate a level grab certain things and then progress to the next one but yeah i don't know oh, you mean the arcade one or you mean the nes one no the arcade one. Oh, where it's just literally that one screen you're just hitting a bunch of things till it's dead then move on yeah basically god uh, that shit was so boring <laughs> and then uh so yeah it was very potluck so when you would go on holiday within England to somewhere like Cornwall, Devon, or something like that, where they had seaside leisure stuff, and you'd see these big-ass, like, proper cabinets, like, what could be considered an arcade, and you saw something like Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, you were just kind of blown away by it. And then, obviously, you got some of the rarer machines, like uh, X-Men Children of the Atom, where that was, like, was that six-player, that one? Or four? four i believe maybe there was some six player mm. cabinets but i just recall four and then you had things like the simpsons and tmnt and you just saw these like it was mind-blowing to see four controllers strapped to one arcade machine and then yeah kind of that's where i saw it was when i was on holiday was there was a bunch of them uh kind of side by side like captain commando um final fight and then yeah cadillacs and dinosaurs was there and i just had to go on that one and I uh, really enjoyed it, but obviously emulation wasn't really a thing back in the day, so it wasn't until maybe I was like in my I was like eighteen, nineteen when I finally emulated on my computer and got to hear the music and really appreciate it for what it was, which is when it really sort of shut up there for me. Yeah. And I just absolutely loved it. Um on the grand scheme of things, just to like quickly summarize it and then we can go over it a little bit more. I think it was a pretty fair arcade game as well. Like, there were no instances where I thought, oh, this, except for one or two, where this boss is kind of just designed to eat my money. Like, there is no way you could do this in one sitting. I only maybe felt like that at one point in the game. Mm -hmm. And then everything else was just, like, really good for me. The sprites were great. The music is just absolutely phenomenal. It always gets stuck in my head when I play that game. And, yeah. uh, I mean, I love the the very 90s, like, Capcom voice clips. Like, whenever you pick something up or you put a quarter in or you win. I mean, uh-huh. I always used to play as Jack, the main character. And okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dino Uppercut is possibly one of the best moves I've ever heard in my life. Next to <laughs> Grand Upper from Streets of Rage. <laughs> so, for me, it was just kind of this thing of... Going from seeing what was on a console to not being exposed to arcades very often and just seeing this 
huge gap in quality of how something could look and sound. It was just mind-blowing. Yeah. I mean, uh, so going more into it, I guess it's a pretty simple standard fare. I believe it's like a two-button game because you've only got jump and attack. Yeah, which is pretty much every beat-em-up. Yeah, or... Yeah, essentially. And then you have various combinations of dashing, uh, a special move going by usually putting down up, and then one in the air as well. And then it's all essentially context sensitive of if you grab the guy and push forwards, you uh, punch him or throw him forwards. If you push down, you throw him behind you. And then obviously you have attack and jump together as your life draining attack. Yeah. So in regards to... I guess kind of its functionality is pretty simple. The thing where it went a little bit further than me was the wealth of pickups. And mm. I it was quite shocking the first time I did it when I was a kid when if you finish an enemy with an explosive, they just turn into guts. Oh yeah, they get jibbed. Yeah, and they have the little eyeball bouncing around and everything. And also it's possibly one of the hype, most hype-ass continues in the world where you have a guy pointing a gun at you, you push start, you punch him out, and then you drop back in with a goddamn rocket launcher. Well, I was going to say the continue screen is exactly like Streets of Rage now. Isn't that when they have, like, the gun to Mike Hagar's daughter? Oh, that's Final Fight. Um, yeah, there you go, Final Fight. No, uh, well, they might... No, Streets of Rage, wasn't it? No, was Final Street, Fight? Streets of Rage, I, I mean, I might be wrong, but that was never in the arcade. That was just a, a Sega thing. Okay. But Street uh, Final Fight, um, I only played the first one, but I believe in the first one when you get a game over, they're tied up with dynamite in front of them. Okay. And they're trying to blow the fuse out on the continue screen. Okay. But I might be wrong. Like I said, Final Fight was probably one of the ones I played the least because I felt back in the day it was very much the Sega Nintendo camp, so you either liked Final Fight or you liked Streets of Rage. Mm. And I was very much in the Streets of Rage camp at that point. Um, but yeah, so for me, it was just really enjoyable experience. Uh, I personally don't think the characters played all that much differently. Yeah. Which kind of was always a point of contention for me with those games, because you'd always have the all-rounder, the fast, slow, strong... Uh, sorry, the slow, strong character, and then the kind of fast slightly weak character, but I never really felt that came across in those games. Well, I actually played every single character in the game, and I compared. Pretty much every single character hit exactly the same, and they all pretty much had near enough the exact same speed, even the guy who is the strongest, who I believe his name was Mess. He's the same speed as even the fastest guy who is uh, Mustafa. Mm. So to me, at the end of the day, every character played the same, they hit the same, which I think was, in my opinion, both a strength and a weakness Hmm. strength was you could play any character and it doesn't matter there's no like you know handicap but at the same time you also don't really feel inclined to choose one character more than the other which could be both negative and positive you know i often like to play a fast character as opposed to a slow strong character i hate slow strong characters any tanky character i can't stand um one thing i'll say about the game though is so you know i've played it when i was young but i played it through emulation i never played it through arcade i saw it like maybe once in the arcade i was more familiar with the comic book series and with the tv show because i remember i got a bunch of the comics at a goodwill 
if you don't know Goodwill, it's like uh, this donation center where people like donate items and you get like a tax cut. And you can get things like dirt cheap. Like you can get old retro parts and games. But this is back when I was probably third grade, I think. I got a bunch of the comics for like a dollar. So I remember it pretty well. It was also Saturday morning cartoon. It was always this weird thing of like, oh, look, it's a Cadillac and dinosaurs and queer. <laughs> but um, one thing I'll say about the game is, I mean, I don't know how familiar you are, but it's a CPS one dash game, which means it was part of the very last cycle of CPS one arcade games by Capcom. It wasn't in, so CPS two games usually had really like high end uh, graphics and also just no slowdown and stuff. I'm pretty sure you played a lot of the CPS two games, but for a CPS one game, I was pretty like shocked because overall the graphics are pretty good for the time. It has really almost no slowdown. But one thing I'll say that I really liked and also thought was pretty funny was when you go to every single section of the game, everything has a ridiculous name. By ridiculous, I mean just completely banal. So for example, at one point you go to a street, it's like 4th Street. Or if you just go inside a building, yeah. it's just literally inside building. Jack's Garage <laughs> and things like that. And it's just like such a generic title where it's like, why does this need to be placed there? And every single screen has to have some generic name like that. It's like a valley. Yeah, basically. So I thought it was pretty good. Also, when you beat a stage, when you see the profile image, each character look incredibly derpy, especially Mess. Yeah. Mess's face is so messed up. He's just like, Burr. and he has like the cocked lip like Elvis Presley. I kind of almost feel as if they were going for a retarded white hulk with that guy yeah kind of he kind of looked a little bit like bruce banner yeah he looked like he was halfway between transformations like with the old school bowl cut when um oh, what was that uh lou ferrigno yeah like the, old, was the, the old, old school, school bodybuilder but yeah that's kind of the vibes i was getting from him was they were like oh we want we want somebody who's clearly the powerhouse, and they just went too far with it, and he just kind of looks a little bit special. Yeah. Also, one thing I do want to complain about is the arbitrary, like, time limit. Like, it didn't make any sense. There's no active timer, but it would just randomly show up, and it would go down. It's like every minute or 30 seconds, it would just kind of appear, and it didn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really feel like I was being pushed forwards by a timer, per se but then yeah every so often it would just pop up and remind you oh yeah you got to get moving just like hurry along please yeah but it didn't make sense because there's no active timer on the screen and no matter what i mean you got to be moving really damn slow to get to the bottom but i was just kind of surprised like why is this even here like what's the purpose like i can't even see any timer <laughs> there's no nothing to make me feel like any urgency i think it was just one of those tropes at the time wasn't it that you kind of had to have it to keep the game moving along, and it almost well, feels as if they just put it in as an afterthought of this technically needs to be here. Potentially, they still they still should have had like an act time or something. So it's just not like this weird pop up box of like, hey, two minutes thirty seconds. Yeah, I mean, as you said, uh, I I always think that those things were just there to obviously push you forwards because once you'd cleared the screen they want you to move on to the next area so that you just keep fighting spending more money or you get off the cabinet so someone else can come in so i never in my entire life of playing beat-em-ups have i ever think i've gotten a timeout. 
Yeah, I don't think so either. Well, actually, no. Maybe with that game King Arthur when I was a kid. Because, like, you move so damn slow. Mm. So, I mean... Oh, oh go on. Go on. Uh, it's okay. You uh, carry on. I was going to say, I thought the car section was pretty great. However, I thought it sucked. That was only one section. Yeah, it felt very inconsequential as well. Like, um, yeah. it was, like you said, it was good that they were writing them in there because, as we'll get into with other games that we're going to discuss later, Capcom did kind of have a habit of putting those bits in there to kind of spice it up, change up the gameplay a little bit. But yeah, I feel as if it was kind of underutilized, especially in this game where it's kind of in the title. It's kind of like a, yeah. an ingrained thing in the game. I think the other thing I liked as well was they put in the whole trying to protect the dinosaurs thing, like enemies will show up and try to aggravate the dinosaurs at various yeah, points cool. in the game. And you have the choice of either you can kind of hit them and they don't die, they just calm back down, or you can avoid them for long enough and they cool down and kind of walk off on their own. I thought that was quite I, nice. It's pretty cool, because, I mean, it gives you at least a little bit of urgency. But I thought it was kind of ridiculous, like, oh, I'm going to punch a shell this dinosaur, and now it's like, yeah, okay, I'm good now. Thanks. <laughs> it just walks away. I do like the fact that most of the dinosaurs have names as well. They're not a species. Well, actually, you know, that's reference Because, you know, this game was developed based off the comic, not the TV show. Mm. And in the comic, for example... When you play the game, you see the Triceratops, you punch it, it says Mac. Yeah. The thing is this, that's not the dinosaur's name. They just called all Triceratops' Macs. Oh, okay. I mean, Mac. So actually, all the dinosaurs had a generic name in the actual series. So you feel like, oh, this dinosaur has a name. Somebody likes him and cares for him. Nah, nah. It's got some stupid name. Yeah, that's... Just like, that's a duck. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I thought it was. I thought maybe it was some kind of holdover from the show or the comic book where they were like, oh, they got a Triceratops that they just call Mac. Yeah, if you go onto, uh, what is it, the comic Wikipedia page, if I remember correctly, they have a list of all the dinosaurs, and it tells you all their names, like a trice, like, what is it, the Velociraptor or whatever it was? Rockhopper. Yeah, there you go, Rockhopper. And, like, T-Rex, I forgot the name of that one. It's like Shivat or Shiva or something. Yeah, see, they all have some unique name to them. So yeah, I, I thought some of them were kind of nicknames, uh, like maybe they had the pet, like, because this is around the same time as that, I think it was Made in America, that TV show about the family of dinosaurs. Oh, Land of the Lost? Something like that, and then there was a sitcom. Oh, you, hold on, the... you, mean, you mean where the family's a dinosaur in the dinosaur world? Yeah. Yeah, just called dinosaurs. Yeah, so I, I assumed it was some kind of thing of that, where it was like, Kind of like in the 60s, 70s, it was space. Then in the 80s, it was kind of like westerns and war movies. And then like the 90s, for some reason, people had to focus on dinosaurs for a little bit. Well, I think what Land of the Lost was like, what, from the 70s or early 80s? Where it was like the family who gets transported to an alternate dimension. And they're trying to live their life in this new world with dinosaurs and reptilians. Mm, that's very sci-fi. I mean, yeah, but they made a TV. Uh, no, they made a movie with it with Will Ferrell a few years back, which is pretty funny. It's one of those dumb funny movies. Fair enough. Um, one thing I'm gonna say about this is this game made me remember that some old school Capcom beat 'em ups really had the bougiest of health items. I mean, you had lobster, oh, yeah. croissants, and a sushi platter. I mean, that's pretty good. I also like the fact that it was a common theme to Reese recycle those items as well 
Yeah. And I think this has one of my favorite pickup sounds that whenever they pick them up, no matter what it is, it could be like salad, like you said, like a piece of discarded cheese. They'll always just go, yeah, that's good. I don't even remember them saying that. <laughs> Every, like, all of the voice acting in that game, if you can qu- uh, even qualify it as voice acting, is just gold. Like, if you hang around too long, you get that really obnoxious, like, go, go! Like, yeah. shouting at you, and then when you win, uh, again, like, I only remember really Jack Swan, where he always was like, I did it! Yeah, yeah. And then, like, you they all said at the very end. Yeah, they have that, like, flappy ass mouth thing and because it's on like a mame emulator if you hold down the button it speeds it up uh-huh. and it just looks ridiculous yeah well that's the thing is like all the voices were bit crushed so it all sounded kind of funky to me so yeah that's very much a product of the era for me is that beat em up games wanted to have voice acting in them but it wasn't really an important feature so it always came off as really like tinny and I think, in a way, it kind of went full circle, and it's just part of the charm now. Yeah, I'd say. One thing I thought was kind of weird about the game was that, you know, the character select screen, all the characters look well-designed. Mm. But then, as I was saying earlier, when you finish the stage and you see the profile picture, everyone looks derpy as hell. I honestly felt like they had a different artist do that, and it made no sense to me. Like, why would you do that? The original artist who did that select screen was pretty good. It was on point to the actual comic book but then the dirt phase like what <laughs> i didn't get that at all yeah it's one of those odd things like when we were looking at uh, fighting games last week and the the profile pictures would vary drastically in quality in and out of game well you know power instinct was just a golden game so you can only expect pure quality from something such as that it's liquid gold pretty much also i know you're not big on sci-fi but uh I'm not sure if you were like me, but when I got to the final boss of the game, I just was envisioning both Total Recall and Planet of the Apes 2. I mean, Planet of the Apes 2, I don't really know that one, but as soon as you started saying sci-fi, yeah, I was just getting flashbacks of uh, Total Recall, the little mutant coming out of the guy's chest. Yeah, exactly. For Planet of the Apes 2, uh, in that one, basically... Uh, the main character from Planet of the Apes was Charlton Heston. I forget his actual name now. Anyways, what you find out is that... Uh, have you seen Planet of the Apes, actually? The original. Okay. Well then, whatever. Spoiler. Anyways, you find that there is like still groups of humans who are intelligent, but they all live underground. And they have this religion, at least these humans that he finds, if I'm recalling correctly. And they all worship a god. The god is actually a giant nuke. So when I saw that nuke there, it doesn't look exactly the same, but because it's underground, I see this nuke there. I was like, oh man, it reminds me of Planet of the Apes too. Having that nuke there, like, ha I I love it. Because, you know, it's the same idea. It's a post-apocalyptic world and there's a nuke now. Like, oh God. Yeah. So. No, I, I definitely understand that. I mean, as I said, um, this is just one of those games that I'll come back to every so often, uh, throw a couple of controllers in, just invite a friend over and just go through it a few times because uh, in regards to arcade style beat-em-ups, for me, it's kind of up there with Streets of Rage uh, 2. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you played it, but they released kind of some fan remake just called Streets of Remake or Streets of Rage Remake where they actually took all three games and stitched them together into one huge fighting game. Is that an official thing or a fan-made? No, it's a fan-made thing. 
uh, and it is one of the best side-scrolling brawlers I've ever played because they didn't have to put that much effort in, but they just went all out the... Is it for MAME or what? No, it's a standalone executable. You can just get it oh, okay. off their site. And they redid the tracks, they redid the sprites, and they even upgraded kind of like the special system. And this is one of those games that's kind of almost on par with it for me because it's just so enjoyable for me to play. Uh, to go back to an earlier point, there is only kind of one enemy type that I ever felt was designed to suck your money, and it's the really fast guys with the boomerang. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I don't know about you, I don't uh, have epilepsy or anything like that, but when they start flash-stepping around the screen and there's two of them, that really hurts yeah. my fucking eyes. And, yeah, I mean, I can understand that. And yeah, like, all the other bosses, I felt you could kind of bait them out, they had a really obvious attack, but these two, they just kind of zip around the screen everywhere, and they are solely there to halt your progress and get you to put more money in. Yeah. Other than that, all the way up until that point, and even the final boss, I thought it was very fair, very balanced game, very enjoyable, and it almost felt like, as you said, if it came out at the end of that board's life cycle, that Capcom just wanted to make something that was enjoyable. Yeah, well, the CPS 1 dash system actually took a lot from what CPS 2 would be. So basically, the only thing holding it back was the, was the graphical, uh, graphical capacity or ability uh, the Q sound system, which is pretty much found in all CPS2 games, and then also any type of slowdown that you would, uh, you know, hit, depending on how busy the screen gets. Yeah. But, yeah, for me, some solid game, uh, good graphics, amazing soundtrack, decent gameplay, some interesting characters, like, they're recognizable, even though they're kind of not overly designed and they are essentially three dudes wearing jeans and tight shirts and one woman yeah but they're easily they're kind of their silhouettes are easy to discern from one another yeah i agree so for me yeah it was um good experience it was real fun to go back and play it like i didn't have to go back and play it for this i wanted to because it's just such a good game yeah, I mean, I, re I like the game quite a bit, so I can agree with that. I mean, as I said, comparing it to kind of other games from other companies at the time, um, X-Men Children of the Atom, uh, The Simpsons. TMNT. TMNT, like, all of those games have qualities that I like about them, but uh -huh. for some reason, this one game just has the right amalgamation of everything that just makes me want to keep coming back and playing it again. And I don't know what it is because things like the Simpsons arcade game, that was fun. I really enjoyed that. But again, yeah. I do believe it suffers from like money munching bosses. Yeah. And that kind of annoyed me. TMNT. I mean, I have a hard time recalling that game. because there are just so many different versions and so many different releases that they kind of all blurred together a little bit for me. Uh -huh. And the one that usually sticks out the most for me is, I think they were the same game depending on the platform, Hyperstone, Heist, and Turtles in Time. Well, the arcade is called Turtles in Time as well. The, any, the SNES port was actually by far one of the best arcade ports, period, yeah. at the time. Hyperstone Heist, yeah, was 
more like inspired by the arcade game. I've played all three of them. Uh, personally, obviously, I love the arcade, love it, and I think SNES did a really, really admirable job, admirable job, at porting over such a complex game, especially. One thing which I thought was really cool about the SNES port that not most people realize, I didn't even realize it until I was older, was you can actually choose the uh, color settings of it. You can choose anime color or you can choose comic color. Now, anime color was more like a shortening for animation, so you can make it look more punchy like the original animation, or you can make it have a bit of more like darker tones like the comic, mm. which I always thought was pretty cool. A nice option to kind of change up the sprites a bit. Yeah, definitely. But, um... So then we have our next game, so I think we kind of talked about that one yep. quite in depth. All right, so next up is Punisher. So I'm going to come out the gate and say I liked this game, but it is from the era before I got into the Punisher because it falls into campy Spider-Man Punisher. I preferred Frank Castle with like the trench coat, the shirt, the boots. Uh, this is Frank Castle. It is, but this is back when he was the Punisher wearing his little spandex onesie. So you, you should be saying like more like modern Punisher. Well, you see, to me, when he wore the suit, he was the Punisher. And even though oh. they always call him the Punisher, I always felt like the modern Punisher, like the guy in the combat boots and everything... Uh-huh. It was only the villains who referred to him as Punisher. Most other people just said, oh, it's Frank Castle. Uh-huh. And to me, that's that's my Punisher. That's the one that I read the comics for that I kind of uh, enjoyed. The really kind of crappy Xbox game. Um, but yeah, for some reason, like this old-fashioned Punisher and some of the villains that are in there, it just kind of went over my head, and it wasn't until he became a little more gritty and realistic that I really started to get into him. But, I do think the game kind of captures a little bit of that, like when you defeat the first boss, and he essentially blows him away. Yeah. Well, the thing is that the Punisher was always gritty. Now, in terms of being more modern, then yeah, it shifted, but that's also a larger shift in the comic book narrative period from the 80s. Hmm. Because, uh, who was it? The guy who did Sin City, Frank... Miller. Yeah, there you go, Frank Miller. You know, he started introducing some gritty comics. Not just him, there was other authors I can't think of off the top of my head. But he was kind of... They were essentially some of the catalysts, essentially, for comics to go in a more gritty direction. But that's not to say Punisher wasn't gritty. I think I told you before, my favorite Punisher comic is Punisher versus the Marvel Universe, which is fucking ridiculous. You know, he invites all the X-Men to a death match on the moon. So all the X-Men go to the moon on an arena to fight the Punisher, and then he nukes the moon and kills everybody. I mean, come on. That's fucking amazing. Yeah. So the Punisher was always there. Yeah, he's he's always been there. But as I said, it wasn't until, I don't know, maybe it was just the 90s kid inside of me who saw, like, that design and was like, yeah, that's someone I can get behind. But, I mean, in regards to the game... Uh, my feeling is out of the three that we looked at, this was probably one of the more basic ones. Yeah. I mean, the visuals are nice. The music, I felt, was very missed opportunity. It does not fit a game about the Punisher in my mind. I think because you're thinking too much about 
this new modern Punisher. You're not thinking about the original Punisher. Well, even... I mean, this also has OG Nick Fury. Yeah, well, that that's the version of Nick Fury I like anyway. Because that I felt that design kind of carried over anyway into the some of the comic books as well, especially the ones that Garth Ennis had a hand in, the Warzone ones. Uh-huh. But I don't know, like, it just felt too almost kitty arcade for me, especially like the jungle levels. A game about essentially an anti-hero whose idea of justice is just to kill everybody. And I really don't think that came across in the music to me. Uh-huh. But the gameplay, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I was reading into it, and compared to uh, the other games we're going to look at later, I don't think it was that violent, but I guess it was at that time where portraying guns and gun violence was still, like, a big thing. And you have those sections in the game where if armed enemies came onto the screen, the Punisher and Fury will, like, whip out their pistols and you just hammer the button just to blow them all away. Yeah. So... The game itself, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a decent fighting game. It was just, for me, the the visual aspect of it isn't what I was accustomed to. And it just, I obviously, it's going for the comic book vibe. But for me, it just, yeah. it just wasn't doing it. How about you? I love the Punisher game. I think it's great. I think it's such a wonderful version of a comic book game for the time. One... I love the sound design. The sound the Punisher makes is so damn good. <laughs> it's so good. Like, well, whenever I play it, it takes me back to being a little kid. Hearing that, the arc, like, like, I just loved it. I think it's hilarious because to me, that that is the Punisher. The Punisher was just like always like grumbling and like yelling as he kills things. So when I hear them like, yeah, yeah, there you go. That's the Punisher I grew up with. Um, gameplay. Oh man, the gameplay it's smooth as hot butter on a skillet. I love the gameplay. It works so seamlessly. It's easy as hell to pick up. Anyone can play that game and just jump into it. Not to say other beat-em-ups are hard to pick up, but I think this one is pretty even easier because I think all the controls are incredibly smooth. Um, I think it holds up very well. The colors, I think, are like quite punchy, but not overly saturated, which is also a great thing, trying to fit with the comp books. Uh, I felt that the gun sections were pretty smoothly integrated because at the time, beat-em-ups didn't have these sections where you pull out a gun because the auto-aim just kills everything. But it works well because it doesn't interrupt the gameplay or the smoothness or the speed of it. And then also, Punisher did something that Kallax and Dinosaurs didn't do, which was pretty much most things you see on the screen are destructible and all Mm. items that you get have a limited number of uses and there's a number for how many times you can use it and for every time you finish using an item it helps with your score so if you get around 40 or 50 items for every single level punisher will be like i did it and it sounds just like stallone so like for me like i've played this game a lot so i kind of know the ins and outs so i can beat it really quick and i can beat it with very few continues so i'm a huge fan of this game i always felt that this was the best version of a basic beat-em-up, essentially. And I feel that a lot of beat-em-ups after Punisher pretty much took cues from what Capcom did with this Punisher by creating so many different, like, destructible objects. Whereas Kallax and Dinosaurs were quite good, it didn't have so many destructible items. And a lot of times when you used items, they would flash red, but I had no clue, had any idea 
when the item was going to be discarded. Whereas Punisher, you clearly can see how long until this item's going to be discarded, which I always thought was great. Mm. No, yeah, definitely. I mean, it has its good points as well. Uh, I mean, I'm coming at it from somebody who's only just played it recently because I've known this game's existed, but I'd never seen it out in the wild. And it's something that I only maybe played through a couple of times when I started emulating. Uh huh. And I don't know why I just didn't go back to it. Like I said, uh, I just have a real hard time for some reason liking that design of the Punisher. I mean, he looks pretty decent in this game. He doesn't look campy per se. He still looks like mean old angry Frank Castle. But I just, I don't know why, man. I just can't get over the, the gimp suit. Cause, uh, you mean his leotard? Yeah, I just, I don't know. I think it's just that thing why I'm not a massive comic book fan because I've never really thought if you wanted to look intimidating, why you dress like that. Well, he had, you know, Salt Snake's ass, man. That that ass was intimidating. I mean, come on. When he walks, when he's walking away from your view and you see that butt, like, mm, come on. That's intense. Oh, I know. It's definitely a product of its era of the machismo of, like, oh, quick, get the tightest fitting thing you can to show what an alpha male you are. Yeah. But for me, it's just... If I saw a guy like that walking around the street, yes, you'd, like, marvel, forgive the pun... It is, um, like, how huge and jacked he is, but it's still a guy wearing a fucking leotard, a pair of white gloves, and some boots. Yeah. If I stack him against modern Punisher, I would be much more intimidated by the huge fuck-off dude in the trench coat than I would some bodybuilder wearing a leotard. I mean, I can understand, because, I mean, that's the reason why they updated it. But they've also updated a lot of superheroes, I yeah. think, to better match a more modern aesthetic. But to me, it's more like, to me, that's more like a personal thing. Yeah. Oh, where, like, oh, yeah. I, I honestly don't care whether it's modern or old school Punisher. At the end, it's still Punisher. So I don't really care, I guess. Well, yeah, like I said, uh, every time I kind of go into this point, because a lot of people have the same opinion as you that... It's just preference, and that's all it is at the end of the day, is it is preference. It doesn't detract from my enjoyment of the game or telling someone else that they're wrong for enjoying that design of the Punisher. It's just for me. It's just one of those things I had a hard time getting past. But the game itself was really enjoyable. Like you said, the controls are simplistic, easy to pick up. There's no... I mean, obviously, they're two different games, but to go back to Saturday Night Slam Masters where me and you had a lot of trouble inputting those specials and grappling people. I don't feel I had that problem at all with this game. Yeah. And granted, they are two very different games, but that just goes to show what Capcom could do with two buttons when they wanted to, when that's all they had to go with, as opposed to when they had a whole controller with six usable buttons and then two extra buttons in a d-pad they've done so much more with this than they did with a a game that was arguably supposed to be based around grappling yeah whereas this i agree i felt like every time i grabbed an enemy i did it on purpose and then everything that happened after that i was in control of it like if guys were coming behind me i wanted to throw the guy into them to stop them it worked every time 
if I wanted to drop them into another enemy or just punch them, it all worked. I didn't ever feel frustrated whilst I was playing it. Yeah. And that is, like you said, to the game's credit, it is very playable, it's very enjoyable. It's just kind of in places for me. Personally, the presentation lets it down a little bit. Just because of how he looks? <laughs> no, like I said, because of the music as well. Oh. Um, the music... I think in general, when it comes to games, I don't always notice music. I think especially from arcade games. It's just... I think I notice sometimes the sound effects, depending on how noticeable they are. But I think a lot of times for me, it's more like the vocals, such as like Rocket Launcher in like oh, yeah. Metal Slug. Or, you know, he's like... <laughs> like, I remember that stuff because it's the sound I always hear. Like, for example, when you die or when you pick something up. But I think the music just becomes like that. It's just in the background. It could be droning and I don't really care. Yeah. I think for me, it's just because there are, like I said, games like Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, Streets of Rage, that have those kind of iconic tunes that go with them, that it subconsciously became something that I now judge these games on as well, is that, Hmm. yes, like you said, it's not the main focus. The main focus is the gameplay, and nine times out of ten, especially back in the day, you were playing this in a noisy, crowded arcade where you're not going to hear it. So what was the point in designing really well thought out, good accompanying music? But it's just one of those things that in hindsight, uh, obviously they didn't know that eventually you'd be able to emulate this on a bloody phone. But it's, I don't know, it's just one of those things that I think a little bit more effort could have been put into it. I've only put in quite a bit of effort, especially with the sprites. I thought sprites were great. Oh, no, just, again, the music. Sprites are fine. Uh, got no problem with the sprites. They were really good. Uh, I fully enjoyed it. Um, I mean, again, I don't know much about classic-era Punisher, but I did think that the Terminator enemies were quite funny when they are always called, like, Pretty Boy or Good Legs or something like that. Yeah. What do you think of each level? I like the second level where you enter through a, what was it, a pipe that goes into someone's pool. I mean, come on, it's pretty good. And then the boss has a fucking sunfish in a fish tank. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. That's ridiculous. It's two sunfish in the background. Yeah, I wondered about that. It's like, it just felt real out of place. <laughs> but I loved it. It's just like two giant sunfish. Like, hey, what are you guys doing there in the background? Get out of here. I mean, <laughs> I did, yeah, like the... The areas really varied. It was kind of a little confusing because, again, because of how cartoony it's kind of presented in some places, I almost forget it. It's like a Punisher game, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, here's this huge underground poppy field where they're making Oh, God, that drugs. was like so 90s. I loved it. It was underground in Arizona. It's like, mm, poppy fields. Of course. Uh, also, level three, when you see the car, you can beat it up, it explodes, there's like a barbecue guy in it. <laughs> that detail was so good. <laughs> I think one of the little details that I really liked at the end, that apparently uh-huh. shows how much of an inhuman beast the Punisher is, is uh-huh. when you're fighting Kingpin, and you can pick him up and throw him, Yeah. but it does take slightly longer than any other enemy in the game to pick him up. Yeah. But I was just like, Jesus Christ, Frank. Lay off the juice. Man, I will say this, though. This is, like, the most subtle of detail, but part of the reason why I like the game and a lot of other beat-em-ups is, uh, okay, level five. When you're in the sewers, there's, like, a bunch of rats. 
you remember that or no? Yeah. So I thought the rats were both like really cute and a great addition to the stage and the feel. Because at the time, for example, like Cadillacs and dinosaurs and other beat-em-ups, you didn't have these really nice kind of subtle details. And even though the rats are pretty much like on a guided path, there's enough of them moving around where you don't kind of notice it exactly. But I feel like it's kind of like one of the nice hallmarks of more like Japanese style games that you didn't ever really see, especially in a lot of American arcades. And so that kind of reminded me of, say, like Hayao Miyazaki films or Ghibli films, where Japan oftentimes wants to put kind of subtle or small details into the background that make you feel like the stages are alive. A good example would be, I'm not sure if you ever played the Mega Man X series, but the Mega Man X series, you know, if you look far enough into the background, certain things, you can see like waterfalls, you can see movement, whether it be weather or birds or something. And I always felt that was always this really nice hallmark of Japanese games, especially Capcom, you know, beat-ups or side-scrollers, which I always thought was really cool. So seeing it in Punisher kind of stood out in comparison to Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, where the background has parallaxing, but in general, it's incredibly stagnant. Yeah, no, I agree. It was, uh, there's nice little details here and there, things like that. Um, As I said, I got no complaints as to how the game looked or how it handled it was pretty much standard Capcom fare. I mean, I'd be hard-pressed off the top of my head to think of any game that they released kind of in this era for the arcades that did suck because it was a pretty solid formula. Yeah. The only thing that I was surprised about is obviously Capcom is a Japanese company and I don't know if they had like Capcom of America at that point, but I am kind of surprised that they handed off basically one of the most American characters you could think of to a Japanese developer who kind of even still today is very sensitive around certain topics to do with violence and things like that. So I was kind of surprised that they just didn't, I mean, I don't know how prevalent America was in actually making their own arcade games. I know they had a huge arcade scene, but was it a common thing for american developers to make their own arcade cabinets i don't really know to be honest um because in general a lot of arcade games at the time were like what you had uh snk you had konami you had sega uh capcom uh data east i'm probably forgetting a few others but those are the first ones that kind of come to mind but i don't can't really think of any real American companies who did stuff. Um, there's probably some American companies that did some Star Wars stuff, but even then, I think a lot of Star Wars arcades were done by Sega or someone else. So mm. I think in general, most of them just outsourced to Japan because Japan made quality stuff. And, you know, might as well trust them. They make good stuff. And also, at the time, you know, consoles were getting big and SNES and Genesis both pretty much revitalized video games in America since, you know, obviously we didn't have anything like Amiga or Commodore really. Yeah. So there's probably a lot of trust in these companies to do a better job. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, you can, it was just one of those things in my mind that uh, even today you still get like a uh, Resident Evil's the most kind of modern example, I guess, of even games made in Japan by Japanese companies get heavily censored and to me i thought like part of the punisher's appeal is the gritty violence that goes along with it yeah 
But I guess, again, it was at that time and period where him walking around with guns shooting people was still enough for them to go like, ooh, ooh, that's a bit, that's a bit much. Well, the thing is that the Punisher arcade didn't really have much blood in it. No. For example, if we refer to Metal Slug, I don't know about the UK, but in America, all Metal Slug machines had no blood in it. If you went into the, was it dip settings or DIP settings, you could turn blood on. So for every single American release, blood was turned off. So when you kill someone, all you see is kind of this yellow marker. It looks kind of like dust almost. So growing up, I didn't realize that Metal Slug had any blood whatsoever until I emulated it and I went into the arcade settings and then you go to blood, you're like, oh, whoa, it's not turned on. We got milk. Okay. Like whenever you killed someone, they bled white instead. Okay, yeah, ours was kind of like, looks like dust, kind of beiges. So, there you go. Yeah. So, to me, I feel like the Punisher was also kind of following a similar format. Well, they'll show some blood, but they're not going to show blood all the time. Definitely far more so than anything else I could think of at the time. I mean, I guess that kind of brings us along nicely to our next game of Alien vs. Predator, which well, had a shit ton of it. Yeah, well... I can tell you right now that uh, AVP is hands down my favorite beat em up, period. I, I think AVP is just an amazing beat em up. And I think any game that tries to challenge it, you, people can like other games, but AVP has a certain level of variety and skill that other beat em ups, especially at the time, just didn't have. No, yeah, definitely. I mean, I didn't play it as much. But it is one of the few games, I feel, of its type where the four characters actually play vastly different to one another and have serious benefits and drawbacks to whoever you pick. Yeah. I mean, I was misremembering it wrong when I played uh, through it again. Like, for this, uh, I did see that I was wrong, but I originally thought that humans couldn't use uh, predator weapons and vice versa, but they can. And I originally mm. thought that was part of the design was that the predators could only use predator weapons and that humans could only use human weapons. But I think I was just misremembering that. Yeah. But, so, yeah. what I was to say is that before we jump into things, do you know about the history of one AVP or Alien vs. Predator and the history of this game? Uh, no. Because I, I know quite a bit about this. So, I'll let you take it then. All right. Well, growing up, you know, in the 90s. Because, I mean, all these games from the 90s. Yep. Out of all of them, I'm the most familiar with, with Alien vs. Predator. I was pretty young when I saw the Alien movie and Predator. So when this game came out, I was probably, like, maybe not the prime target, but kind of. Because at the time, AVP or whatever, I'll just call it AVP from now on. Uh, AVP comics were huge, and so were the AVP line of toys. I mean, as a kid, I had dozens of, like, Predator and Alien toys by Kenner. Like, I have a box still at home just filled with Alien and Predator toys. I loved it to death. And I used to read the comics all the damn time. So this arcade was actually originally based on a draft of the AVP movie that was to come out in the early 90s. Did oh, you know that? No, I did not. Yeah, so originally AVP, they were going to make a movie in the early 90s. But there wasn't enough funding. So what had happened is they scrapped the idea. However, Capcom had already worked on the game. And they're like, oh shit, like we already made this game, but there's now no movie. So when the game got released, it came out more as a standalone, even though it was originally based on this early draft of a movie, which is why 
the character, the guy, Dutch Schaefer, essentially is based on Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm. However, it is not Arnold Schwarzenegger because this game takes place like, what, 200 years into the future. He's actually, um, what is it? What do they call it? A synthetic, I believe. So as it goes, this supposedly, yeah, he's supposed to be a synthetic that's modeled off of off of Arnold Schwarzenegger. However, you know, due to some fight, you know, he lost his arm and they outfit him with that mech arm that has a smart gun attached to it. Yep. So, I mean, in general, I think his character is pretty cool in the sense that it's based off of Arnold. It has like some history to everything. However, I will say this. I was not a fan of how he played. I couldn't stand it. I mean, he is the strongest character in the game, but I mean, he has no jump and he can use every weapon though, which is pretty cool. Most characters will throw a weapon, but he can actually physically hit things. But overall, yeah, I did not like him. His walking speed was horrendous. But it was kind of funny that when he walked, the screen would shake a little bit. Where I was like, "Damn, he's like a T Rex." Yeah, I mean, that was one of the things that stuck in my mind while I was playing that game. Is it's like you go back, you watch the Alien films, and you're like, "Oh man, these guys are getting like." fucking pussy whipped by one alien and here comes like uh Schaefer who's basically if you just choose him and go through one player he's gone through the entirety of the alien catalog and the uh Yutani corporation single-handedly because he's a beast exactly so also in this game for this game a SNES version was created they tried and ported it but like it wasn't actually a port it's more like an attempt at recreating the game Mm. But it ended up just being really, really pathetic. I don't know if you ever played it. It's pretty bad. In comparison to, say, Turtles in Time, which was a great port, the SNES one was really bad. It had awful, you know, sprites and graphics. It was really rigid. But now this is interesting. I ought to state this. I'm not sure if this came to America. You can get it in the UK. But uh, a true port was created. So Capcom released their Capcom Home Arcade, which only uses CPS2 games. Now, I know specifically on Amazon UK, you can buy it. It's like 170 pounds, but it has like 20 games from the CPS2 era. And while it looks pretty cool, I mean, I don't know if you've seen it. It literally is one giant uh, board that has, you know, two joysticks and six buttons on each side. And it spells out Capcom. Oh, yeah. So the thing is absolutely massive and i mean like shit you'd have to have a table just dedicated to this game you know it's plug and play just pop into your tv loads up and you can choose any of these types of games it's the only official port of avp other than that there is no other one you can only emulate it or if you're lucky find it in arcade yeah i mean i was gonna say like i remember that thing being released like that it's i mean it's a cool concept but it does look kind of gaudy as fuck that it just says capcom and you just have a huge Capcom logo on your coffee table. Yeah. I but, mean, the thing is also massive. I didn't understand who would even buy it. No. It is... Uh, if you were going to buy something that big, I personally would rather spend the money on building a lower-end computer and building a arcade cabinet around it. I would rather have yeah. something like that. Alright, so... Okay, go on, sorry. No, I was just going to say, we're at the point now where kind of this period of games isn't really that hard to emulate anymore like it's still not perfect but you're not getting things where it's all bugging out and stuff's disappearing off the screen anymore it's a pretty stable system at this point yeah so when you played this game who did you play as or did you try everyone out 
Um, I've played it multiple times and I tried everybody out, but the one I went through it with this time was uh, the big dude, Dutch. Okay. Because so did you play the whole game as Dutch or most of it with him? All of it, because I'd already... Okay. I think I'd already in the past beaten it with both the Predators... Uh-huh. And I only played with Lynn a little bit, and I know she's the one you usually go for, so I've seen you do most of the game with her as well. Yeah. But I think I really liked Dutch just because he could pick up the weapons, and instead of having a dash, he just has that huge-ass lunge attack where he yeah. just cleans out half of the stage. My only complaint with him is that outside of certain settings and certain stages... He does that weird spray with his machine gun that you have no control over. Are you talking about the jumping attack where he shoots everywhere? or No, just, you just mean... stand it on the ground, tap it, and he does like 180 degrees in front of him. I, oh, okay. I didn't care for that because you only get two shots with it if you don't let it charge back up. And yeah. it is very hard to hit smaller enemies with it. Yeah. So I didn't really care for that. I mean, up close, it's fine. It does like a decent amount of damage and knocks them back but i just thought it was really annoying especially compared to the predators who essentially lock onto things with their shoulder cannons and uh lynn who i think she fires in a straight line she goes from down to straight yeah so a much tighter arc his was like kind of everywhere which i wasn't a fan of combined with his slow speed and enemies in the game like the face huggers and the chest bursters that you need almost to use those kind of weapons on it made him very situational sometimes i felt yeah so who would you say is your favorite character to play as i would probably say the there was uh one predator with a spear wasn't there yes and then what weapon did the other one use so one predator has the combi stick, which looks like the spear. Then the other one uses and it looks like a naginata, which is basically like a spear, except it has like that serrated blade at the end. I mean, I'd probably say that the predators were my favorite characters just because I felt when they dropped their weapons, it didn't hamper them. They had extra things that they could use. And I felt they had a larger array of moves like sliding tackles, things like that. And I just felt like they were the most balanced between power and speed. So I mean, I, I would agree with that. I probably preferred playing as the Predators. I mean, my biggest complaint with the Predators is I felt that they played fairly similar. I mean, yeah. yes, there are differences. That was probably the weakest thing, that they played so similar that I felt that they somewhat lacked personality. I can tell the difference of them. But if we go based on silhouette, the only difference between them is just the actual weapon. But in terms of gameplay, I felt they're pretty interchangeable. But between the two, I would say I'd choose the warrior. I believe he's using the combi stick or more like the spear, as you said. Because he has great aerial rush-ups or rush setups. So you could just hit that like dash forward and jump. Or I think it's no forward and jump. And he just flies at them and you can do like a three-hit combo. Yeah. I think... To differentiate them more, I just think they, sh- they shouldn't have given them both the spear. Like, one of them could have just maimed claws or something like that. I don't, yeah, I think I don't, that'd be cool. I don't think they both needed the same weapon, essentially. Yeah, I agree. Because the, the major difference, obviously, between Lynn and Dutch is that she is a lot smaller. She's covered kind of obviously a more Japanese design. 
Because she has like a sword as well, doesn't she? Yes, she has a katana. Whereas Schaefer is uh, the all-American hero. He is yeah. what very much would I imagine Japan's view of the American action hero was at that time. And as you said, he was based off Arnie, so yeah, clearly it was. And I liked the fact that they did have that huge arm cannon on him because it differentiated him enough that you could just look at his design and go, okay, not only is this dude huge, but he has this mech arm on him. He's obviously the powerhouse. And then you look at yeah. Lynn, you go, okay, she's the like the faster, more agile character. And then as you said, you look at the two predators and you're like, this is cool, but what's the difference? Yeah. I was going to say that I thought that it would be cool if you could play as the mad predator, who is like that sub-boss, oh, you know, yeah. the blue predator, who had like the... Uh, f- what is it? Chest the little baby burst, alien yeah. alien? Yeah, chest burst turn him. Because when you see him fight, he's more like a grappler. He's like grabbing you. He's f- running around punching you and like slashing at you. You know, it's like, you know, if we had a predator more like that, like you're saying, mm-hmm. using claws, I thought it'd be a lot nicer. Make a predator faster, but make him more up close. That's like his disadvantage. So I was like, you know, make the mad predator more like the secondary predator. And that would differentiate things a lot more. And I could yeah. probably enjoy playing them a bit more. But... Yeah, I mean, like you were saying, uh, yeah, Lynn was my favorite by far. Um, one thing about Lynn I noticed is I've always assumed that she was inspired by uh, Machiko Noguchi, who is an original uh, comic book character who was uh, obviously a Japanese character who was living on some settlement in another planet and it gets attacked by aliens. And, uh, well, I shouldn't say attacked by aliens, there's aliens on the planet and they start like killing everybody in their. I guess, like, township or whatever. And Predators come to take out the aliens, but she's able to survive and kill a bunch of aliens. So she's actually accepted into the Predator clan. So she's the only human to ever be accepted as a Predator. Mm. So I felt that Lynn was essentially based on her since, you know, the story doesn't follow that narrative per se, but she does encompass a lot of, you know, Machiko's attributes, including her Japanese ethnicity, her skills in martial arts, and the fighting style of Machiko has also matured into more like a predator warrior, whereas Lynn already starts out as being kind of like a straight up warrior. So I kind of noticed that, but even more interesting, I thought, was so you were saying that Lynn has more of a Japanese design, which she kind of does. But did you notice that her hair looks really familiar to a Street Fighter character? Uh, Looking at the picture of her now, a little bit. So the concept artist for AVP was uh, Kinu Nishimura who is also the designer of both Lin and Ibuki from Street Fighter. Oh, okay. So if you look at Lin's hair and Ibuki's hair, it's pretty damn similar. And also how they move is pretty fairly similar. So there's a lot of speculation that Nishimura pretty much took what he liked from Lin and then incorporated it into Ibuki and Street Fighter. Mm. Another thing pretty interesting is that obviously Capcom and also its designers were pretty i think they liked her quite a bit because she was a pretty original character so out of all the characters in this game she actually made the most cameos in other capcom games so in the backgrounds of other capcom games you will see her that's pretty so that was pretty cool oh yeah definitely also she's the only character who actually has like legit combos in comparison to other characters yeah which is part of the reason why i like her the fact that you can combo into things and you can also cancel out moves with lane which you can't do with other characters yeah that's what i mean it's like going back to saying that compared to the other two games and most games of this era 
this game has discernible differences between I mean there are four characters but I'm going to say the three characters they're all like unique play styles I feel very much that if you were playing through this game and you got halfway through it and then you decided oh, I want to try out the predator you would have a little bit of a hard time switching over because yeah. there is a learning curve to this game I mean yeah. what's that it was on the Capcom collection and you were the only one out of the three of us who'd played it Battle Circuit? Yeah. That's like one of the few examples of a beat-em-up that wanted to do more because you could get new moves, you could level up, the characters played vastly different from each other. So I kind of got, I mean, I don't know which one of these came out first, but I got some vibes from that in there as well. AVP, I believe, came out first. Yeah. Because AVP, out of all these games, was the only CPS2 game, and uh, Battle Circuit's also a CPS2 game, if I recall correctly. But yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of actually the game itself is, you can tell it's CPS too. The quality is ridiculous. Like the cutscenes, the drawings of them are really good. You could tell that it must have taken them a while to do it because there's not much movement that happens in those cutscenes because it must have been a pain in the ass to draw them. Oh yeah. You know what I was always impressed by this game is the sheer amount of enemies that can be at the screen at one time compared yep. to Punisher or to Kallax and Dinosaurs. There can be an okay amount of enemies, but I mean, you can be surrounded in this game and there's zero slowdown. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's actually a reason to use, you know, I don't know what you call like special attack or death blow attack, you know, whatever, you know, you hit two buttons and it hurts your health. I don't know what you call it. I used to always call it like a special move. Yeah, same. So I thought, like, this game actually requires you to do it, whereas with Punisher and Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, I never used it even once. I didn't see the point in using it. I never really felt like this was necessary. No, yeah, definitely. It's You get surrounded so often, which was one of my favorite concepts of... This game, in a way, serves to almost weaken the aliens because you have Schaefer just picking them up and fucking powerbombing them into crowds of other aliens and it just takes this thing from the film of oh you can't touch them you can't get near them they're the perfect like animal almost and then you just have Schaefer just show up grab one and just pile drive them into a crowd of like 16 others as if it's nothing yeah I know that's why I thought was great about the game but I mean any alien game makes you feel like the aliens are not that big of a threat. They're just yeah. more like the annoying bug. Yeah, because they have to. If it well, except for isolation. Yeah, but that game but that was, was that, based around it. Yeah, but that was more like the most unique in terms of any type of alien game. Let's be honest. Yeah, but so yeah, I really, I just enjoyed. Like, uh, I would still say that maybe Cadillacs and Dinosaurs ekes it out for me just because of its accessibility and again just because the music gets stuck in my mind as well. But yeah. obviously I will give you that out of the three of these, this is the most impressive game and has the most replay value because playing with each character is almost like a different experience. Yeah, it does make the game play a little bit more fresh each time with each character. It's also nice that, you know, unlike other beat-em-ups, if you choose a character, you can feel a lot more at home with that character versus where other games just like, eh, whether I'm playing you know a b or c it's still the same game yeah but one thing that was weird and i don't know why some games did this again i don't know if it's a limitation of the system or because the predators were too similar to one another is that it was three players instead of four 
Well, here's the thing. It I was reading about this is that basically a lot of arcades had only, you know, two player. Like, you know, we go to like Akihabara and they have like that one, you know, arcade, but it's only two player, right? Yeah. So a few places would have three. And I guess in very rare instances, you could have four players. Mm. I had never seen a three player one or a four player one ever. I've only seen two player. But mm-hmm. I've only seen two arcades of it. Have, so you've seen a three-player one before? No, never. I've never seen a three-player cabinet of any game. Oh, okay. It's either, obviously, a single, uh, two, or in rare cases, like, a four, like when we used to go to Warehouse. Ah, uh, yeah. Because, well, I mean, like, Turtles in Time and also the X-Men game, they both had four-player. Oh, and Simpsons yeah. as well. Yeah. So we, I used to see that cabinet. But, uh, yeah, Predator have only, I mean, AVP, I've only seen two players, so... Yeah. I don't like I, I know you mean though. Like on the screen it clearly shows there can be three players at once. Yeah. I mean if you go to the Wikipedia page, the gameplay page is uh still of a three player one. Yeah. I mean I don't know where anyone would have found that. I mean I've never seen the AVP arcade growing up. I've only played it as an emulator until Japan. I mean I'm just gonna quickly have a look now to see if I can find a picture of the machine. Oh yeah, it exists. Um, yeah, it is. I mean, again, I don't know if this was kind of just like a generic Capcom machine where they just changed the marquee and things like that. But it is disappointingly underwhelming. <laughs> uh, it is literally like just a black cabinet with the marquee and then a, a like kind of like a a straight line cabinet whereas the turtles one kind of bent didn't it so that people weren't straining their wrists like you had two people on the side two people in the middle yeah this one's kind of like three people straight on and the screen size doesn't appear to be any different to cater for that yeah it's a very generic uh art was american arcades i mean it even has like the bat top on it yeah it reminds me of, like pretty much every single street fighter 2 arcade i've ever encountered and it has that like faux uh what is it kind of like rock texture yeah 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 that's when i looked at it, i was immediately like this is disappointing but i mean that was pretty much every single 90s arcade cabinet ever because yeah you look at the turtles one and it's like got decor up the ass well i mean that was a huge huge franchise you know and yeah it was oh yeah, yeah definitely and uh i did like the ones as well that went a little bit further that you didn't choose the character. The character was like the placement of the stick. I think X-Men yeah. did it as well, where like they would have a tiny section of the controller layout would have its own graphic art saying, this is Wolverine or this is Storm. Well, same thing with the Turtles thing. Each uh, bat top plus buttons would match the Turtles color. Yeah, which I thought was really good and a really nice design. Well, yeah, but as we were saying, AVP, like while it was a well-known franchise it was not a famous franchise it was really more relegated to the comic book and like novel sphere it really wasn't dedicated to like little kids other than you know figures yeah. but figures while good and all it wasn't like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles which was killing it in terms of comics you had the tv show you had the movies you had the toys yeah I mean, I mean that's just that's just killing it so um back to the gameplay so when you played the game when you went through the whole entire thing, did you find anything to be annoying about the game or say, uh, you know, something that you feel is not good? 
or could have been implemented better or whatever? I mean, for me, it's the usual stuff that plagues it. Uh, one of my biggest pet peeves is the punch button is always the pickup button. And when you start getting to the bits where you're fighting the soldiers and they're dropping uh, the assault rifles and the smart guns, the fact that you can easily get stuck on top of a pile of weapons and just keep cycling through them got mm -hmm. really annoying because in the latest stages of that game, people are dropping shit left, right, and center. Yeah. And it just got really infuriating that some of my deaths were caused by me not being able to get out of a pile of weapons and the enemies just getting on top of me while I was trying to get away from that to actually shoot. Yeah. Uh, and then other than that, I think the annoyances just came from my pick of the slowest character that I don't feel, especially when you're fighting the Mad Predator, unless you <clears throat> kind of start leaning into his dash move a lot more, there are a lot of instances where it is impossible to dodge his attacks depending on the character you've picked. Yeah. But I feel, again, that's not necessarily a peeve of the game. That is, I picked the slow character. So I have to try and find out how to play this game based on that. Because yeah. that would work in the opposite direction as well, where if there are a crowd of enemies together, Schaefer will wreck shop by doing his dash-in move and then going into a combo from that. Yeah, because you just clear a whole screen with him in seconds. But mm. I would say the only major complaint was just the items and the way it was handled. That so many are dropping, that I almost—I mean, it might not have been able to be implemented well, but I almost felt that they could have used a separate button for picking up and throwing items, just because of the quantity that's on the screen in the latter half of the game. I mean, I can understand. I guess because I came from that arcade background, yeah, I kind of already understood that as just a factor of any beat em up. So I don't really care. I just often will move away from the items mm. in general. So, I mean, I don't. As I said, it's not just this game. It is almost ingrained in my mind as a kid that, especially coming from Streets of Rage, it is a waste of time picking up these weapons because they don't do as much damage. They slow you down, and you drop them so easily that. Nine times out of ten, if a game has items in them, I would just avoid them. I really like the items in AVP because, you know, when you finish them, you throw the item at the enemy. Yeah. <laughs> He's just that, like, I'm done. Boom. That's here. what I mean. I very much feel that you have to use the items in that game and they are fun to use. Yeah. It's just I felt that for people like me, maybe it's just because I don't play them as much anymore. There could have just been a, a, like a combination of buttons to throw the item away so that you aren't picking up an item when you already have one in your hand. Well, I Dutch, I don't know. But at least with most characters, if you jump and hit punch, you'll throw the item. Yeah. So for Dutch, I have no clue. Oh, no, I Since... just meant like, for example, if I was already holding a smart gun, he won't pick up any other kind of attacking item oh, until okay, I throw it away. Instead yeah. of me pushing the attack button and him constantly cycling through the weapons on the floor. Yeah type thing but that's my same view of the whole i hate walk in to grab somebody like mm. i very much felt that a grab button would have worked in those games or a combination of buttons to specify this is to pick up this is to grab people but that's just a peeve i have with all of those kind of era type games like street fighter and everything that you have to walk into somebody to do it 
I've, I've, you still have to walk in and then hit a button combination for Street Fighter. Yeah. I mean, I mean I, it's just me. I've never liked that feature, ever. I just don't. That's what you prefer to play more like a grappling character as an actual button dedicated to grabbing. Yeah. I want a grab to be able to, like Tekken, you have to hit a combination of two buttons to grab somebody. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, Street Fighter has the same idea. You have to hit a combination of two buttons, but you've got to be next to the character, generally speaking. Yeah. So I've always preferred, like, a grabbing motion. Mm-hmm. But, again, that's not really detracting from AVP as a game. These are just bugbears that I have from this genre, uh, genre, genre as a whole. What did you think of, like, the boss fights in the games? And also, what was it? There's a special... St- I think all of these games had a special stage in it. Because um, Punisher had to beat up the car, like, in Street Fighter, and also shooting shoot the barrels. barrels. Yeah. Calyx and Dinosaurs, I don't remember. I don't think it had one. AVP, you had to, like, beat up a bomb or something like that. Oh, uh, you had to stop the elevator. Yeah, stop the elevator. There you go. Also, that's another thing. All these games have a big elevator sequence, except for Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. It had, an, that? It had an elevator sequence. Did it? At the end of the game, when you're descending into the base to fight the scientists. Oh, you're scientists. right. So, yeah. Every single Capcom like, beat-em-up, I think, might have an elevator sequence in it. Yeah. I have to look into it, but I thought that was kind of funny. Oh, all, <laughs> they all throw it in. All games do that. Streets of Rage had it as well. Streets like, of Rage probably, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't remember much about Streets of Rage. I, re- I remember more Final Fight since I was an arcade. But I think a lot of them did it because it was just an excuse to not move the screen really and throw a bunch of enemies in there. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. I just thought it was kind of funny that everything has to have it. <laughs> but no, yeah, I, I, to me it's just, it's like uh, modern games and sewer levels. An elevator section in a brawler game is kind of just a given to me at this point. I mean, yeah. I, I bet when I finally get around to playing um, Streets of Rage 4, I wouldn't be surprised if there's an elevator section in it. Probably will be. Because I think, if I'm remembering correctly, in Streets of Rage 2, there's two of them. There's one on a construction site, I think, and then one in the final boss's lair. But I might be huh. mixing a couple of the games up there. But yeah, it happened twice in that game. Interesting. So it's just, huh. a, it's just a trope, I think, of that. What did you think of uh, the gun sequence? I think it was like level two or three in AVP where you're on top of the van. You had to shoot everything with your gun. I liked it because it switched over to like a Contra style where you just held down the button and you just moved it. Yeah. Like I thought it was real easy. It was real fun. It was it's almost like a throwaway level that it was like a palate cleanser. Yeah. But I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Usually those kind of things... They keep the controls where they are, and you have to try and work around this new system with these controls, but I think they did a really good job by just locking them in place and giving you eight directional aim and just holding the button down. Yeah, I liked it. I thought they did a good job. I liked how when they mix, when Capcom would mix up some of these beat-em-ups, they would mix it up in a good way. It didn't feel like it'd ever break the rhythm or the momentum of the game. It always felt like it all was quite well woven together. I also like the fact that they're on top of one of the uh, marine transport cars from AV, uh, from Aliens 2. Yeah. I really liked that like little nod to that kind of something that essentially might have just been a throwaway vehicle in one of the films. They integrated it in pretty well. Well, I think it's supposed to be one of the typical Wayland yutani vehicles, that's why. But yeah, I didn't get what you mean. Because hmm. I didn't read many alien comics. Like, they'd have the odd one in the library and things like that. I mean, I remember the short one that I read, though, when you were t- talking about Lynn's character 
who she was based off. There's this really like short one uh, where the predators crash in kind of, I don't know, it might be an African like desert or something. And they crash in front of this like teenage tribesman and they end up fighting and the tribesman ends up killing the predator. And then the others show up to reclaim his body, but they leave the skull and some of the weaponry behind and the guy like implements him into his shield and things like that because he's they have that system of if you kill one of ours you're the superior hunter yeah so i just thought that was a kind of a nice thing that they threw in there as well that it just keeps kind of all their lore and things like that and yeah adding so, so much into like a beat-em-up game where they could have just done so much less with it yeah, I thought they did a really good job of implementing stuff from the franchise into it, especially because, as I said, there was no movie tie-in or anything. It was a very standalone thing. But they did a great job of incorporating a lot of this stuff, especially being that it was from a Japanese company who literally was like, okay, hi, we're a 20th Century Fox. Here's a script. Make a game. <laughs> yeah, make a brawling game out of this as well. Exactly. And then they have to do probably like a deep dive into it and make sure that fans like it. And I was surprised as a fan, it was really well done. I'm I'm still impressed that this kind of game exists. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it stands head and shoulders above other games from its era. So it's, it's definitely a game. I will be honest. I play every so often. I probably play once a year. Maybe I always cherish this game. Honestly. Yeah. No, that's good. I mean, it's kind of the same for me with Streets of Rage. Um, I will, if not the original game, the remake I mentioned that people should go and check out because it's an amazing remake. I will go through that once or twice a year with one of my friends who'll come over, we'll like boot it up and we'll just have a blast playing through it and never get bored. Anytime we start, we will always finish it. I'll have to play again. I haven't played Streets of Rage and God knows how long. I think just because, like I said, it was for Genesis, so I didn't own it. I only, I pretty much just remember, you know, whatever, Final Fight. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. I mean, there are so many of those, and as you said, it was at the era where people weren't buying uh, competing consoles because they either didn't have the money or you just chose one and you stuck with it. Yeah. So, I mean, it kind of happens again today, but... I guess it's a little more commonplace for somebody to have a PC and a couple of games consoles because I feel as if it's now switched to Sony versus Microsoft and Nintendo's over there in the corner doing their own thing. Well, I mean, that's a benefit of Nintendo. By doing their own thing, they can stay strong. But, you know, I rarely hear Nintendo fans essentially being incredibly bitter towards Sony or you know, Microsoft fans. It's usually the more like, eh, whatever. Yeah, they're in the <laughs> versus... world. Exactly. Whereas, you know, with Sony and Microsoft, everyone's like out for blood. <laughs> Same with PC gamers. It's just a running, well, yeah. running joke of they'll just go, oh, filthy console peasant. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, PC Master Race. Whoa, 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 whoa. But yeah, it's just one of those things of, again, if you didn't have a PC and you don't have much know-how, it would be very hard to emulate these kind of games on a... Uh, PlayStation, for example, unless you had the PS3 with Linux inside of it. Yeah, but, you know, it's not even worth the time and effort. I mean, I played these games on a 10-year-old laptop yep. with zero issue. So it goes to show you how much hardware you need to make these things run. I used to make these things run on a Pentium 1 back in the day. 
I think so. The smallest thing I've had these games running on was when I got my Nexus Google tablet, a little seven-inch tablet, and yeah. I plugged my controller into it, and I got a Mame emulator running on that. Absolutely no problems whatsoever, and I had arcade games on the go. Yeah, I used to have that on, on the original PSP. I had every single emulator on it. I would just play that when I was on the bus. Precisely. It was great. So it's fantastic. So, I couldn't ever play on smartphones because touch controls are like the bane of my existence. Oh, no, that's why I uh, would sync up a PS3 control to it and things like that. Cause yeah, I, I can I, understand. I hate touchscreen controls, and I don't think that opinion will ever change. Yeah, I don't. It, it works in like only very, very few instances. Like card games is the only area where I can think it works because you're essentially pointing and dragging. Yeah, or, you know, drawing games. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But again, like, actual game games where you have to do more than the occasional input, for me, it just doesn't work. Yeah, I agree. I can't do it. And I believe with that, we have come to the end of this section since we're now bashing on touchscreen controls. <laughs> it all works together, man. But, uh... Beat'em are probably going to go that direction. But, yeah. Oh, they already have Oof. when Sega released... They're like classics on the original iPhone, and it was fucking awful. That's cute. But uh, I think it's going to be a pretty obvious answer, but uh, third, second, and first place? Uh, obviously, AVP would be number one. Number two, probably Punisher for me, because I have a lot more nostalgia for it. Mm. And then finally, Calax and Dinosaurs. However, Punisher and Calax versus Di- uh, Cadillacs and Dinosaurs are pretty much almost the same for me. Yeah, it'd be the same for me. Third would be Punisher, second would be AVP, and first would be Cadillacs, just because of the nostalgia value. Yeah, I mean, I can understand. But again, as with you, Cadillacs and AVP are interchangeable due to nostalgia and actual quality of game. Yeah. So I think that is a good place to leave it for this week. So thank you very much for joining us again, uh, and we will see you next week. So it's goodbye from me. Yep, see you later, guys. Bye-bye. Peace.